0: You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. So once again, this Sunday, we journey into the strange new world that is the biblical landscape of this long cycle of stories of the patriarchs and the matriarchs of Israel drawn from the book of Genesis. Last Sunday, it was the story of the testing of Abraham, the, the binding of Isaac, A difficult and complex story that resolves with Abraham's assertion that God does indeed provide, but which also marks the last moment when we read of Abraham ever speaking with God. This week we have this story of a search for a wife for Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac, And in between the two stories, one very significant event has taken place. Sarah has died. Now you might recall my observation from last Sunday, that in the rabbinical tradition, Sarah's death has often been connected to that story of the the testing of Abraham. That it was grief and sorrow over her husband's willingness To do such a thing, that's what drew her life to its close. All speculation, of course, but it is notable how closely her death does follow that previous story. The whole of chapter 23 is given over to Abraham's quest to purchase a burial place in which to lay Sarah's body, which speaks to the dearness of his loss but also perhaps to Abraham's need to somehow make up for having caused Sarah such grief. Again, speculative, but don't be afraid to explore the very human textures and emotions that hover all around these ancient stories. With Sarah buried and Abraham old, Well advanced in years, as the opening verse of chapter 24 puts it, the old man's attention turns to the matter of finding a wife for Isaac. The full story fills all 67 verses of this chapter. And while the excerpts that we read do a pretty good job at getting the heart of the story before us, a little bit more background is probably useful. Abraham sends his most trusted servant on this quest. And it's a journey that takes that servant far from where Abraham and the family have settled. And why? Abraham said to his servant, I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live, but will go to my country, to my kindred, and to get a wife for my son Isaac. Now you might recall how when Abraham and Sarah are first introduced at the beginning of Genesis 12, God called Abraham to get up to leave behind the land and the home of his father and to venture out into this new place which God would show him. Well, that journey has taken Abraham and Sarah into the land of the Canaanites, which might be fine as far as that goes, but when it's time to find a wife for the boy, back home to the land of the ken. After a long journey... The servant stops by a well. He sees that the women are coming out to draw water. And he offers at this point a prayer. He says, O Lord God, when I say to one of these women, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And she replies, drink. And I will draw for your camels also. May she be the one chosen as the wife of Isaac. The servant is playing a kind of a little prayer game here but that's actually something that people do right lord if you want me to do such and such then give me a sign by doing such and such and i'll know what to do people do this they do it all the time but you know what no sooner has the servant asked rebecca for a drink And she offers to draw water for the camels as well. His little prayer game is yielding fruit. Out comes the nose ring and the bracelets that he's brought for the wife to be. And then a request by the servant to spend the night at her family's home. The servant apparently is quite convinced that he has succeeded already at his quest. Well, at this point, Rebecca dashes home to tell the news of this strange meeting which prompts her brother Laban to head straight back to that well to see what he could sort out. Here's how that piece of the text goes. As soon as Laban had seen the nose ring, the bracelets on his sister's arms, when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, And there he was, standing by the camels at the spring. And Laban said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside when I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? Now, here Walter Brueggemann suggests we're getting just a little bit of a picture of Laban. A character who will figure in a major way in some of the later stories, a character with a very particular personality, kind of like a used car salesman. On the one hand, Brueggemann notes, it is surely important that Laban speaks the name of Abraham's God. He had said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. But, on the other hand, Brueggemann continues, the narrative is tongue-in-cheek. Laban has just seen the rings, the bracelets, and camels. He may not be a true believer, but he is no fool either. So back to Rebekah's home they go, where Laban arranges that proper hospitality be offered. The servant retells the whole story of the meeting at the well, which is basically the heart of what we read. So tell me, the servant essentially asks, will you agree to this arrangement? Then Laban and Bethuel, Rebekah's father, answered, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you anything bad or good, which might actually be more clearly translated. This is the Lord's doing. We have nothing to say about it. It is the view of Amanda Bankhosen that these words of Laban and Bethuel in response to the story of Abraham's servant capture the major preoccupation of this story, attending to the leading and activity of God. This is the Lord's doing. We have nothing to say about it. It isn't received in lightning epiphanies, There are no angelic messengers or direct words from God after the manner that Abraham receives and that Jacob, Isaac's son, will later receive. No. To cite Brueggemann more a presentation of how it is to live in an ethos in which life is accepted and perceived as a gift from Yahweh's hand, from God's hand. Well, thankfully, Laban and Bethuel still do turn to Rebekah and ask her opinion. Will you go with this man? Yes, it does amount to an arranged marriage, part of that world. But Rebecca is not entirely without agency. She does here have a choice of whether to go or not. And in fact, as these stories proceed, we will discover that Rebecca is very much her own person, holding her own opinions and making at least a few rather sly decisions. Will you go with this man? And she said, I will. And then it's off to the land where Isaac has settled in the Negeb. Let me read to you again the closing section of this episode. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field. Looking up, he saw camels coming. Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel. She said to the servant, Who is the man over there walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master, Isaac. So Rebekah took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac loved her, the text said. And I certainly hope that for her sake, Rebecca loved him back. Isaac loved her, and in loving Rebecca, he was comforted after his mother's death. It is both an ending and a new beginning. Still, as Amanda Benghausen notes, there are certainly other things that may capture our attention in this story. Things that may make us uncomfortable. For instance, the uncritical acceptance of a patriarchal culture leads Abraham's servant and Bethuel and Laban to negotiate for Rebecca like she was a piece of property. Such ancient cultural practices may make it hard to appreciate this story today. So why do we keep reading stories like this one? with nose rings and golden bracelets, and the men sitting around with their plates of food deciding on the future of this young woman. From Bankhausen again, it is right and good that we should be uncomfortable with these practices because this is not what this story is affirming or celebrating. Instead, The focus of this story is on what the Lord is doing and the attentiveness of those in the story to how God is at work. And again, God is at work in this story in the very ordinary and culturally distinct things of the time. The truth is that God works in and through very real people in very real social and cultural contexts nudging and calling them and us forward step by step. There are those moments when the Spirit's presence explodes people's thinking, their awareness, carrying them beyond the parameters of the world in which they live. It will happen with Jacob, with Isaac and Rebekah's son in the coming chapters. But most of the time, We can only see through the lenses of our time and context. And God can work with that. Now, I have to admit that had I been one of Rebecca's brothers sitting there along with Laban and our father, I probably would have quite happily taken part in the conversation, sitting around sharing the meal, because I would have been a man of that age I only hope that I would have been the one to ask, but Rebecca, do you want to go with him? Will you go with him? And ask that in a way that would have recognized that her decision was a real decision. The choice was hers to make. I hope, too, that as I watched her ride off on the back of that camel following behind Abraham and Isaac's servant, I would have been drawn to bless her with a prayer for her safety and her happiness, I hope. Well, with Isaac and Rebecca now together, the stage has been set for the very colorful stories of the next generation, the generation of their twin sons, Jacob and Esau, and of that car dealer, that used car dealer, Laban, and all of his baggage. And we'll begin to pick up those stories next Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.